And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome in to this episode of Big Drive Energy. Um, I'm Big Drive Spence, of course, and I'm, I'm here with my co-host, Big Drive Mitch. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, a little week off on the PGA Tour, and we're ready to get back into the swing of things here. Absolutely, and uh, I know you can get back into the swing of things for sure if you play a little WGT Golf. So WGT Golf, if you guys haven't heard of it, um, I don't know what you're doing at this point if you're a DNVR subscriber and haven't heard of it, but WGT Golf is not only the most popular golf game in the world, but it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. We've gotten so popular with WGT and had so many DNVR members join that we now have a DNVR four country club. Each country club holds up to 250 people, so we're already over 750 people. Download WGT, join DNVR four country club. Um, you can all, all you have to do is go to dnvrgolf.com. That's kind of our site. We host weekly tournaments, and this week we will be doing another tournament. Um, the tournament is called the Elf on the Shelf. Classic? Shootout. Shootout, sorry. Elf on the Shelf Shootout. So, you know, beginning in December, you're always starting your month with Elf on the Shelf, whether it be for your kids or for your students or whatever you may do. Um, so Elf on the Shelf Shootout will start this weekend. All you have to do is go in there and play. It's going to be a close to the pin like usual. It's super quick to play. And then all you got to do is submit your a picture to our pin Twitter with your score that showing us that you played, and you have a chance to win some awesome DNVR merch. And you can add to your collection, hopefully, after you bought some this past weekend with the disgusting sale that we had. We had one of our best sales days ever at DNVR, so thank you all for doing that and helping us out, especially during this time with the bar being closed. Uh, another quarantine seemingly right around the corner, so uh, we really appreciate all the support. Uh, the amount of fans and the amount of new members we had is unbelievable. So thank you guys all for the support. Remember, you can always become a DNVR golf member on top of your regular membership. And there's going to be so much stuff for you guys starting early spring. We're going to get into the swing of things with more lessons and clinics and top golf events. Hopefully, if we get some clearance from the government of Colorado and whatnot, but top golf events and events out on the course. We're going to be doing some more big drive lives. We'll have some special guests for you guys. So a lot more content coming up. Of course, right now it's a little bit of a slow season in golf, especially in this state. Um, but that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Is when there's no golf going on, I know I just I just got home from Top Golf and that place is a blast. You know, we're WGT and Top Golf are kind of partners together. They're basically the same thing essentially. So always go hit up Top Golf. It's a great time because if you're kind of that person that likes to go in and practice but doesn't also like to take it very serious and go to like family sports or just a driving range and heck, who knows what driving ranges are open right now with the snow and 
the snow that's forecasted for this week. But you can always go to Top Golf, get a few drinks, down a few beers like I did, play some games. They got the Angry Bird game. They got a bunch of different games. Played St. Andrews today. Um, not very well, hey, but played it. <laughs> hey, Spence, real quick for anybody who hasn't been lately with COVID going on, tell them about like what they're doing restrictionally to keep everyone safe and still be able to participate. Yeah, so you can go to Top Golf. Uh, you can get up to six people in a bay still. Uh, you're supposed to be in the same household. I don't know how they're policing that, and doesn't really seem like they are. So obviously, be safe, wear your mask, social distance, do all that kind of stuff that you would do normally. But if you've been around people that you you know you've already been around in your work life or whatever, you can go to Top Golf. Six people per bay. They they sanitize all the equipment, all the chairs, everything, and then you can basically since it's outside. After every round, correct? Like when the bay turns over to another group of people, they sanitize everything. Oh yeah, they sanitize both the bays next to us today as we were playing, so you know it's a clean, safe environment, it's outside, and it's still a chance to get your golf fixed for those of you that uh, are out there. I know, you know, Mitchell and I are the same way, we have the itch constantly to go hit balls or practice and play, there's a ton of fun games, you can work on your wedges, you can play the Angry Birds game, work on flighting shots, a whole bunch of different things, so... So check out Top Golf and, and don't lose that swing over this winter time where we where we have to basically can't play as much golf as we'd like to. So yeah, golf is not like riding a bike. If you don't use it, you will lose it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's it's very easy uh, to you think you got something dialed in towards the end of the season. You take a couple months off. You come back and it felt feels like you're starting golf all over again so exactly so even just hitting balls once a week once every couple weeks can make such a huge difference and we try to pound that into our high school golf kids heads too because they play other sports and everything and it's golf is so it's paramount that you practice at least once or twice a week if you're if you're really trying to retain the improvements you've made this last season and maybe even get a leg up on next season then it's it's huge so yeah you don't want to start next season behind the eight ball and try to get your game back you want to keep it even if it's a 50 percent 60 percent level you know not playing and not hitting a ton of balls is not going to keep you at 100 percent level but doing things like top golf or swinging in your basement doing different things like that can keep you at a somewhat competent level going into next year and then you don't lose a ton when you start the season so um, before we get in this podcast, oh wow! Oh, okay. Sorry, that is annoying. <laughs> Stop. Okay. That is called a home phone. I don't think anyone else in the world has one of those. Unlike other than yes, I apologize. Oh Dude, my goodness! Turn it off. Okay. Okay, we're good. All right, we apologize for that. Apo- apologize to everybody. Minimal delay. So uh, before we get into this podcast today and talk about, we're going to talk about the match three uh, between Phil Mickelson, Charles Barkley, Peyton Manning, and Steph Curry. We're also going to give you guys our picks for the Mayakoba Classic this week. As Mitchell mentioned earlier, the PGA Tour is back. They took a little week off for Thanksgiving, and now they're back in uh, Cancun, I believe, or Riviera Maya or whatever down in Mexico playing the Mayakoba Classic. So we'll give you our picks for that, but... Just want to say real quick, if you guys, uh, all of you guys are probably Denver Broncos fans, are pretty close to it, and uh, if you didn't see over the weekend, just check my, go over to my Twitter, at Big Drive Spence, check the pinned tweets. Uh, we were the first ones, for the record, to break the news of Kendall Hinton starting. Maybe the craziest story in the NFL this season, and DNVR Golf, your boys, the golf bros, were the, fir- boys. were the first ones on that news, legitimately the very first ones, I won't get into exactly how or why um but 
pretty crazy situation, and we were the we, first. We one. got a we got a text from a source. Uh, we have a, very, a we have a very we, credible source, extremely credible, um, that we got a, a text from, and so we did break that news. I did break that news on my Twitter. Um, there was some speculation that the John Elway's mouthpiece, Denver um, Denver's mouthpiece, Mike Kliss, speculated that could be Kendall Hinton. I think he had some info as well. Um, but I was on the other end of that phone call that Elway made. Let's just say that, and uh, I had the I had the scoop. So just just so you know, follow us for golf stuff. Follow us for funny videos. We're we can be funny sometimes, but you can also follow us for uh, breaking Denver sports news. So and all of our useless opinions on Broncos, Nuggets, Avs, Rockies. Exactly. All the above. So follow us up at Big Drive Spence, at Big Drive Mitch, and at DNVR underscore Golf. So. We usually keep our golf account to golf, but then our personal accounts are all sports. So Personal accounts are just off the rails depending upon how much we've drank that day. Exactly. Really. It's, and, it's all fair game. And we are going to be doing some giveaways uh, coming up this Christmas. Uh, free lessons involved, maybe some free clubs here and there. So there's going to be some different things. So you're going to want to check us out on Twitter, follow us, do all that kind of stuff, and interact with us. We love that. When we tweet something, we hope people interact and tweet back, and then we can have some good conversation, whether it be about golf or golf swings or anything like that. So give us a tweet, you know, hit us up, and uh, we're always on Twitter. So. We can uh, communicate with you guys that way. We love communicating with the DNVR community and uh, our, gol- our DNVR golf family, especially. So, all right, let's get in the match, Mitchell. What did uh, What did you think? What did you think overall? Um, big takeaways were uh, that course. So that course, I've never played there, but when I was down in Arizona, I played a course that literally butts up next to it, like all the time. So. I had a good idea of, like, the terrain and everything like that, but that course was pure as shit. Like, I had never heard of it, but I immediately Googled it, and it uh, turns out that Phil, I mean, he he plugged multiple times that he owns the, the whole fucking place. Um, <laughs> he got a, few, he's like, got a few owner's bounces during that. Yeah, ride, and it takes sure. a member bounce to a new level when you own the place. Um, that's a, There's people hiding over in the the Koya bushes and shit, throwing your ball out, you know, who knows what happens. But, uh, yeah, the course looked awesome. Um, I was kind of questioning how they were going to get it done with the sunlight. I know they wanted to kind of play it in, in prime time, but, shit, it was getting dark there towards the end. Like, if, if Peyton and Steph wouldn't gotten closed out, I don't know if they could have finished 18. Um, it would have been kind of down to the nitty-gritty there. But I, uh, I was fairly impre- impressed with Charles Barkley. Um, hit a handful of really good shots and I just got to say real quick in the golf industry so Charles Barkley kind of got famous for his golf swing um, at like the Reno Tahoe like uh, charity or the charity classic in Reno but he worked with Hank Haney for a year um, on the Haney project and I, I can just tell everyone who's listening that Hank Haney as an, as an instructor definitely set Charles Barkley's golf game back. Uh, I, I have multiple credible sources that have worked with Hank Haney and he's worked with a bunch of guys on tour. He is not the instructor that, uh, everybody thinks he is. Um, I, I don't want to like throw out slander like that, but he, uh, he basically has a career because he worked with Tiger Woods for six months and even he set Tiger Woods back. So I, uh, I think that Charles Barkley's golf game is moving in the right direction. Apparently he doesn't have that massive hitch. I don't know if, and honestly, I don't know what you think, Spencer. Do you think that his, 
his old swing was more mental, like his issues were mental or were they physical? Well, I actually think a lot of issues in golf in general are more mental than physical because he got to a point when he had that whole hitch in his swing and his swing was popular and famous where it was for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, it was literally yeah, it was literally a complete it was completely mental. It's yeah. not your your physical body can do a swing, and I think I think we watched that Haney project, and I do remember a few things where he was getting him to like lift the club straight up in the air and then go down and swing all the way through the helicopter. The helicopter, but it was a completely <laughs> mental aspect of his game where he couldn't get himself to swing the club. Yeah, and then he started doing the hitch and then pulling up, and there's no way you can ever hit the ball even semi good. It, it like was that. basically just one giant yip, like. If if you've played golf, you know what the yips are. Everybody's been well. Explain explain me. the yips to those people that okay. don't know you know the exact terminology. Okay, so if you if you haven't played golf, um, the yips are this like it's almost hard to explain, but it's almost like a tick that you have, where it's usually it usually stems from movement in your wrists, and uh, it's it's generally around the greens with your short game, so chipping and putting. But so many people go through um, bouts with it where, and it, and it, it really is mental where you're so afraid <laughs> to hit the shot or to, to follow through or even go from the top and, and come down on the ball that you hesitate. And it's very evident. Like it looks like a tick. It's like Tourette's for golf. And it's, it isn't, there's really no way to, to get out of it. There's no, um, foolproof system to fix the yips kind of like the shanks uh and it is one of the worst things you can ever go through as a golfer and i've never seen somebody with like the full swing yips like i would almost um say it's similar to kevin na about five or six years ago i want to say where do you remember seeing that spence where he literally could not swing at it he would take he would take it back and he wouldn't pause but he would swing over it he would just completely swing over the ball, like he take he he would line up to the ball, like he was gonna hit the ball, and he would take a, a back swing, and then he would just swing three feet over the ball, like he was never trying to hit it. Like, it was it was the crazy one of the craziest things I've ever watched. But he mentally he was struggling so bad with uh, just being able to commit and swing at the ball. And that oh, needs a, a, a mean, PGA Tour pro. So it's a much smaller scale, but I've been in that boat where. I literally sometimes, you see water, you see this or that, or you're not hitting it good, you're having a bad day. I'm scared to take the club back. <laughs> and legitimately, it, you know, and I think actually now that we're talking about this, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous, but we'll do a golf term Tuesday on the yips. And uh, we'll, we'll, so if you follow us on TikTok at DNVR Golf, look for that uh, sometime probably Tuesday, obviously, golf term Tuesday on a Tuesday. Going up. But going up on a Tuesday but yeah the the Charles Barkley whole mental uh which, which really is amazing because he is such a highly competitive athlete or he was at one time and usually athletes are athletes like you just golf is an athletic move but when you get your, let your head get in the way it's uh it can be a real problem but I'm sorry back on track with my my big takeaways um Steph Curry is not a plus one or if he's a plus one, he hit it like ass. And he his swing, I can say fundamentally speaking, looks like maybe an 8 to a 10. 
And don't get me wrong, like I know he's a good player. I, I think he's probably a legitimate um, plus, or I'm sorry, probably a two, three, four somewhere in that area. But you get that guy on a tight golf course, and I'm sure he's very not, not very familiar with desert golf. I mean, he's usually out in California, up in um, the Bay Area, or he was born on the East Coast, I think, so he's either at, like, North Carolina, stuff like that. But um, the desert golf is a totally different game, and he was spraying it all over the map. I don't know. Did you see his swing at all? I, yeah, I, I mean, Curry's swing is super buttery. Um, but And even – I'll get to this because I, this I thought this was interesting. Uh, Max Homa. Had, you know, he's pretty famous on Twitter. Uh, his golf game is obviously solid. He's on the PGA Tour, got his full status. He won, I think, last year or early this year. Um, but he tweeted out something that it it kind of a lot of people could relate to, and he said, for what it's worth, I've played with plenty of plus-one handicaps who have played like Stephen Curry or worse, so maybe pump the brakes a bit. Dustin Johnson is like a plus-10 and shot back-to-back 80s this year. Golf, at its core, is a jerk. And he had, you know, that's perfect. And, like, being a plus one handicap, people think that that means you should never shoot over par. And that's just not how golf goes. You know, you go to top golf sometimes, you go out on the golf course, and you shoot your lowest round ever. And then your expectations change or your handicap changes, and then you expect to shoot, you know, that that round again over and over and over again. And so I, I don't necessarily think that Steph Curry's not a plus one, but I think golf, and we I don't know if we've actually really gotten into this as much, Every sport has pressure, right? So uh, one of the things I relate golf to the mo- or pressure to in sports the most is if you watch an NBA player shoot around before a game, because we go to every Nuggets game we can, pretty much every home game, right? And if you go early enough, you sit in there and watch, like, let's say, arbitrary person, Jamal Murray, right? Jamal Murray's a good three-point shooter in the NBA. He makes, like, eight or nine out of ten. He doesn't miss in warm-ups, you know? Any yeah. NBA player, you watch them all warm up and shoot around, they don't miss. You get into a game. Dwight Howard shooting free throws makes like 10 out of 10. It, exactly. Works. Exactly. And so pressure changes things. But I honestly think, and you know, I'm we've had this podcast topic before, how hard golf is and whether it's the hardest sport in the world or to play or not is, you know, not a debate we'll have in this on this podcast. But I honestly think when it goes from just playing casually to playing serious, golf may be up there in the top three. I'd like to say number one, but I haven't played a ton of other sports, you know, archery or things like that, that you've got to be so pinpoint perfect. But golf is one of those sports where you really, the pressure of playing an actual tournament versus the pressure of playing just for fun with your buddies is tenfold different. It's a monumental 180. Like I can go out there and and it's personally hit me pretty hard. I'll go out there and shoot, you know, we play together at Spring Valley. I shoot 72, 73, 74, pretty regularly. 71, you know, and then I go out and play in a tournament and I'm sniffing 85, sometimes sniffing 90, 90. I'm not, I don't shoot 90s, but a tournament where every putt matters and you got to make everything and everything like that, it really does completely change your game and where you're hitting shots and, you know, then you're punching out, you're hitting out of bounds, you're taking penalties, all that kind of stuff. And so golf really is a true test of your mental fortitude and your mental ability along with having a good golf swing and, and solid golf fundamentals. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. And I think the big thing is, too, is there is no no other way to conquer competitive golf other than doing it. Like, you can't – there is no amount of preparation. Say, hypothetically, you're a a 10 handicap and you're going to play in your club championship. 
there is no amount of mental preparation or practice you can do or, or participate in whatever to prepare you for that situation. You literally have to be there and do that to know what it feels like and to really see what you do under pressure. I mean, everybody does different things. I personally know Spencer hits it about 70 yards right when he's under pressure. Like, I, we were out at Common Ground, and I was caddying for him. <laughs> and oh, I, fucking Jesus. I told him to aim at the driving range on number one, and I think he's still hitting the right rough. Um, I didn't know what exactly was going on. I was trying to help him fix the swing on the fly, and none of it was working. But everybody does different shit under pressure, and it really uh, – like Steph Curry, I mean, he's – has he played in one of these matches yet? No. No. Uh, he played in a, uh, a web.com event. Well, yeah, and then he also plays in that one that, like, Elway plays uh, Tahoe. in the Tahoe. Yeah, one, uh. but that, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say there's that much pressure there because it's kind of a, a jerk-around tournament. That's that's being, like, your best player at, a, at your home course at, like, a, a fun scramble. Or something like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody knows you're you're good or one of the best, but there's really no pressure. You're not playing with a, a tour player like Phil Mickelson or whatever. But uh, there really is no other way to experience tournament golf and learn from it other than playing it. So I think Steph Curry, he, any, his swing, I can also say I won't get into too many technicalities, but his club face is fairly open and he does have a fairly weak um, grip and he doesn't have a lot of flexion in his, his lead wrist that might sound like uh, alien to some people but he if when he gets under pressure he will definitely have a tendency to slice it or maybe pull it so he probably has some fundamentals he needs to work on but overall I mean he's damn good he just to come out and say you're a plus one is kind of a bad look when you come out and play like shit. And it was kind of the perfect thing. Like Peyton Manning says he's an eight and he's like a four. You know what I mean? He was playing better than Steph was. And that's a Peyton Manning probably sandbags a little bit. And that can come from playing harder courses or who knows how many scores Peyton posts versus Steph. But you know, I, when you look at Payton's game and Steph's game, they're relatively close and they're nine strokes apart in the handicap scale. And that's, that's kind of where uh, people get pissed off about handicaps, but you, you'd rather play against somebody who's a Steph Curry than somebody who's a Peyton Manning. Exactly. <laughs> we've played against plenty of Peyton Mannings in our day. Um, that somebody they're like, Oh yeah, I'm an eight. And so I give him, we go play a quick nine holes and I give him four shots or five shots, whatever, on nine. And even that's a stretch. Um, but they shoot even par. I'm like, you want me to shoot five under to push? It's bullshit. You know what I mean? And that's where guys like Peyton, Peyton are smart. They it really is smart if you game the system like that. But it's always a bad look when you go out there, a guy like Steph, we've all played with that guy that, they're like, oh my god, I never do this. <laughs> I am not this bad. I, I, they, they shoot like fifty-two on the front nine. They're like, I haven't shot above ninety all year. They're like panicking. I'm like, dude, it's okay if you're not that good. Just tell me you're not that good. It's or don't you don't even need to tell me. Just <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Don't don't just puff yourself up before the round and then you 
can't make a par to save your life. I, that's that's when you can call somebody's bullshit out on the golf course, which is kind of fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, the uh, the well, let's get into some of the um, the best because I actually think the match was. So we'll talk about two things about the match quick. One, I think Vegas fucked this lineup, and you can give me your opinion, but I think this match here truly showed how important, like how good. You know, Steph Curry being a plus one, that's another argument that we just kind of had or whatever. But how good professional golfers are that they, Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley, now I get it, so it's called a modified Chapman. Some people call it something, a a few different names. But basically, if anybody didn't watch it, it was an alternate shot, except you got to pick the best shot off the tee. So Phil, everybody, all four players hit a tee shot. Then each team splits up and decides who had the best tee shot and allows the other person that didn't hit the tee shot to play that second shot, and then it's an alternate shot in. And the line on this was, I mean, Peyton and and Steph were a giant favorite, right? And it just goes to show you how, like, Vegas fucked this up. I'm sorry, but, and granted, they just want to get action on both sides and this and that, but I guarantee you they made a mint off of that because not only is Phil a professional golfer that's won multiple majors, won over, I think, 40 times on tour, He's won 50. 50. He's won every single Champions Tour event, PGA Champions event he's entered. And it's his home course that he owns. Like, I think they did not, and I get Charles Barkley can be bad, but they didn't give Phil Mickelson enough credit because in a two-man match, I don't care. Like, I don't care if Chuck tops at 10 yards. Phil can still keep them in the match. Now, granted, Peyton and Steph probably played a lot worse than they should have played, if you will. But at the same time, like, Phil Mickelson, dude, between his... Zen talk and his talking Charles Barkley into shit, which was great, and telling Charles where to hit it and how each putt should look. You can coach somebody into doing really well. And Charles hit it pretty good, better than I think people expected. It was a common, you know, Charles and Phil winning this match was a combination of Charles being better than everybody thought and Stefan and Peyton just having an off day. But and overall, also gave, I, they gave Charles probably a six or seven hundred yard advantage off the tee on some so, holes. On some on, holes, well, I, I know on some holes, but I'm saying where he was hitting an iron off a par five tee box, and just perfect example. There is that par five. Was it ten? I think it, was, it might have been ten. But Charles is playing like the white tees. He hits seven iron, and Phil hits an iron onto the green. You know, he hit iron right in the middle of the fairway because he's hitting seven iron. Like, I don't care how bad you are. You can probably hit a 50-yard wide fairway with a seven iron. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've missed fairways with an iron before. But your probability of hitting the fairway with a seven iron is much higher than hitting with a driver, especially the the ability of uh, Charles Barkley. So, yeah, and I I don't even know. Bless you. Sorry. Sorry, Thank bless you. you. Thank you. Shut up. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, I don't think that Vegas knew that this was a modified Chapman. Like, in my opinion, I don't. They could. They don't, had to have known, bro. Dude, okay, but how can you mess that lineup that bad when both of them are hitting tee shots and you're picking the better tee shot? And I know the other player has hit the second shot, but. There's so many ways to work around that where the better player, like you can take two pretty good players, perfect example, and you can take one really good player and one fairly bad player, mediocre, whatever you want to call him, 
And the really good player, if he plays well enough, will come out on top. And Charles, I would say, probably had five or six really big shots. But other than that, it was it was mostly just Phil. And like you said, he was willing him. I, I was getting so annoyed with all of Phil's audio during the round. I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, I, One of my favorite lines was, Zen is not for everybody, but it's for us. When Phil told Charles that, I was about dying. And I, I think another thing we can take away from this match and that every golfer in the world out there can take away from this match is if you're not as, like we talked about Charles playing the up tees, play the up tees. You don't need to go back to the backs to have fun, and, and golf is way more fun when you're good at it. And if you're hitting fairways and hitting greens and making pars or whatever you're doing, it's a lot more fun from the up tees. So don't don't be a hero, as we like to say sometimes. You know, play to the tees, play to the tees that you should play at, and 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 rock from there. Like it does, it's not a masculinity thing. There's girls that whoop my ass playing the same tees as me. You know, if I play, you know, it's just a matter of playing playing to your ability. Golf is hard. It's not easy. We have a, we have guys out of Spring Valley who are in their late seventies, early eighties, and they play the red tees. Yeah, that's like fun. It, it, it's they're just tee boxes. It doesn't mean you're this or that. I mean, they were good players in their day, but if you can't make it to the fairway from the white tees consistently, or the blue tees, or the black tees, then you shouldn't be playing there. But that's a, a whole topic for another day. Um, other than that, I I still am very impressed by Peyton Manning's game. For the kind of player he is, um, he does kind of have a, a homemade draw swing where he's probably got a super strong grip and he kind of flings it over his left shoulder like he's holding on to it a little bit. Because if he, he swung, if if basically if the club exited hard up into the left of his left shoulder, which is also something people might not understand, but if the club was swinging hard around his left shoulder, he'd be hitting snap hooks all day. But he basically forces his path inside out in order to hit this baby draw. And he kind of holds it off at the end, but he hit a shitload of fairways. So I can't knock him. I felt like every time I turned around, Peyton was hitting this five-yard draw right in the middle of the fairway. And he kind of kept the match alive a little bit. And uh, Steph wasn't overly impressed but i know he's got game um but just overall such a cool thing for the general public to be able to see you know it's very relatable in a lot of ways but it also kind of gives you a taste of both like oh yeah what it's it was a perfect like eating thanksgiving leftover sitting on your couch friday watching golf of a guy that's maybe worse than you or one of the worst had one of the worst golf swings in the history of the world and a professional, and then two iconic superstars in their own right in sports, and Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. Golf, like, this is what... golf. We grew, need so much more of that. Yeah, golf grew a ton, I can guarantee you, during the first match, because, first of all, it was the only live sporting event people had seen. It was the most watched sporting event in the history of the world, for the record. The most most viewers Which match the first one of Tiger and Phil versus and Brady and Mick and oh, Manning. Oh yes, the yes, most yes. watched sporting event in the history of the world. Most watched, and golf needs more of that because, first of all, all sports would be better mic'd up. I don't think that's an argument that anybody would agree, disagree with. And when they can, when you can hear what they're saying, you can hear what they're thinking, you can hear the trash talk, 
you got Kenny and uh, Shaq. <laughs> Shaq's one of my favorite lines from the match was Shaq told he talked to Charles and he was like, Charles, how can you read a green when you can't read words? And I literally <laughs> thought that that was probably one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. But golf can grow so much from this because you, Charles plays a shitload of golf, probably as much as anybody, I mean, other than Phil out there. And he's terrible. And so you can play a ton of golf and still enjoy it and be terrible, but things like that, and I hope they keep having him. A real winner of that match was Charity, all the charities and all the money that got donated. I know Russell Wilson came on there and did his thing and donated like another 200,000 meals. Yeah, Don't it hate also on makes him. you I sick see. when you see these celebrities hop on and they're like half a million, like it's nothing. They just throw around hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it all is, is it goes to charity, so it's, it's awesome, but it... You're like, holy shit, these guys have an absolute asshole of money. A uh, One quick uh, big brain idea that I think would work on a large scale for just about everything is you make a pay-per-view channel and you can buy certain players mic'd up. I think that would be one of the most electric... And, and then you could pay um, royalties to the players who people pay to, to be mic'd up. You know, and it's like no sensory, no nothing. You get to hear every single word they say. I would pay, so I would be broke if I had, if I could just buy a pay-per-view channel where I could get every player I wanted mic'd up. I think that would be the coolest shit ever. I'd pay, like, I'd pay millions, not millions, I don't have millions, but <laughs> yeah, I'd pay you, a lot of money to see any sport with like a constant mic on a dude. Pay-per-view, so, you know, you can, you can hear yeah. it and... Exactly. You pay. You're like, who do you want to hear mic'd up today? And you go and you pay like five bucks a player or whatever. And it's like an OnlyFans, but for football <laughs> or for golf. Or, you know, it's like you you got to pay your way, man. I didn't think we'd be getting on the OnlyFans topic during this. But... Everyone's trying to earn a living. I'm, I'm all. That's all I'm saying. Well, but here we yeah, are. I I think that uh, the the mic'd up thing makes it huge. Also, I'm sure everyone else noticed, but Charles doesn't even know how to properly wear an AirPod. <laughs> he had it sticking out like of the side of his ear. I'm like, my God, dude, you, I, I understand he's not in our generation, but bro, how that can't even be comfortable. That is not even close to comfortable. So, uh, Charles is always worth the price of admission. Phil got on my nerves a lot and then. Payton and Steph kind of did their thing, but overall, it was great for golf. So. No, it was a great match, and I hope we see a ton more of those. Get different celebrities, get different people, get them mic'd up and, and have these rounds where, especially on days where Black Friday, you know, Iowa was playing, they beat Nebraska again, six year in a row. But, uh, you know, not a lot of people are watching, there's not a lot of sports to watch, and, and get those days where people can, you know, watch something where it's live and... You know, we tweeted out who's watching the match and got a lot of response from that. A lot of people decided to watch it because it's it's fun to see different athletes playing golf that aren't actually pros. You know what I mean? Like, you know, one of them was a pro, but the other four are just out there playing, and they they kind of got bra- bat, blah, blah, brought back <laughs> down to life. You know, seeing a guy that's great as good as Steph, quote unquote, at golf and played in tournaments that he's not always great either, and so. Um, yeah, like you said, great for golf, great for the game to grow the game and really helps the game of golf grow in, in a matter of viewership because a lot of, I know a lot of people too that love the game of golf playing it but don't watch a single tournament and can't because it's so boring. And I don't necessarily blame them, but 
starting to move the needle to more mic'd up, more shit talking, guys that aren't as good. You don't see every putt go in. You don't see every shot be perfect. It really, uh, it really grows the game for a viewership level, which I think once more people get into golf like they have this year, I think a lot of people will start watching it as well too. Because like next summer, you know, this last summer we had the the biggest growth in golf and golf played by just you know amateurs in in the history of the game, and they didn't they didn't watch it because there was no golf to well they, there was a lot of golf to watch, but then the NBA and NFL and and uh, NHL all came in the playoffs, it, and so people yeah, were watching it, it that. Yeah, it comes last on the priority list of a lot of people exactly. on in terms of televised sports. So. Exactly, but come next summer when it's just baseball again in the summer and golf, I think golf viewership will go up a ton, and that's great for the game because there's truly a lot of good talent out there. There's a lot of funny guys. There's a lot of crazy, you know, John Daly comes to mind. Bryson's been a talking point of Sports Center, and a lot of people are listening to him and what he's trying to do. So I think overall for the game, things like this continuing to grow it is great. Well, and kind of to segue into another uh, quick topic, but the European Tour did a really good job. Actually, um, they had multiple different players mic'd up all throughout their rounds when they did the restart after quarantine um, in this summer. And I don't know how many of you follow the European Tour, but their content on all social media platforms and on even on TV is so good. They they are really I would say they're ahead of the PGA Tour content wise. Um, all the different like hole in one challenges they set up on uh, social media, where they literally park a, a P, or a European Tour pro on a hole for a day, give them five hundred balls, and see if they can make a hole in one. I mean, I have watched almost every single one of those. They do a bunch of different challenges where you have to hit a different club. It's, it's a challenge head to head versus another European tour player. And each of them hit a different, you you have to go all throughout your bag and hit anywhere from a lob wedge to a driver on a a 160 yard par three. And whoever hits the green more wins and just shit like that. I mean, they got so creative over quarantine with how they created content and different things to get viewership. Um, but that kind of leads me to the point I was making that the European tour and the PGA tour just kind of signed. I think they signed a contract for a new Alliance. And I don't know all the technicalities around what, an, what the Alliance entails per se, but I would love to see the PGA tour go in the direction of the European tour um, for the content, for the accessibility of players and for their courses too. I mean, they play the the U.S. has got a lot of really good golf. Don't get me wrong, but there is so much good golf in this world. And if we could get a PGA Tour event, like a, a world event, where European Tour guys and PGA Tour guys all came together and played in, say, Dubai or in Scotland, and I that's the the British Open, whatever. But just a, a tour event, you know, or play in England. I people don't know how many world class tour quality golf courses there are around London or in France or Spain. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I I think it's just a a huge step in the right direction because there's so many European tour players that eventually, if you're good enough, it's almost a stepping stone to leave the European tour and play on the the PGA tour full-time because the purses are a lot bigger. 
Uh, well, when I say a lot, I probably about double the size. Um, so significantly bigger. I mean, it's the difference between winning and making 600, 700,000 euros versus 1.8 million. So it's a, it's a sizable jump, but I think that it's a step in the right direction to bring golf to the whole entire world. And to have these PGA Tour players, I mean, Patrick Reed is super loved over on the European Tour and the Asia. He goes and plays in Asia and Dubai all the time in the winter. Um, he actually almost won the European Tour um, race to Dubai, which is like their their FedEx Cup. Um, he almost won it a few years back. He played in probably a dozen European Tour events, and it would just be so so awesome to see a lot of these European Tour events kind of like. Um, almost cross market each other and get the get some bigger purses over in Europe. So guys are encouraged to stay over there and then do some full field events with both European Tour and PGA Tour players. So I just think that was a really really cool step in the uh, direction of growing the game of golf on a global scale. Oh, absolutely! The PGA Tour and European Tour are. Like, they kind of been separated for a long time, but like you said, P- European Tour is almost like a tour for guys to step into a stepping stone of the PGA Tour, whereas if you create more of an alliance where it's cool to be good on both tours and not just cool to be good in on the PGA Tour, I think you'll have a lot more players playing on the European Tour, guys like, you know, and bigger fields, which make it more exciting fields, which make that more watchable. Guys like Rory McIlroy and, and stuff are always playing on the European playing on the European tour as much as or more than the PGA tour, then those those instantly become more marketable and more watchable. Yeah, and um, for people who don't know kind of how the European tour and the PGA tour work, you have to play a certain amount of events to keep full status for the next year. So guys like Paul Casey, Tommy Fleawood, a lot of those guys, they they have cards on both tours but they only play the minimum amount of events over on the European tour to maintain their card for the next year. So it would be really cool to have guys like, like pick a European tour event over a PJ tour event and be like, uh, this course down in Texas or whatever is kind of a throwaway. I'd rather go play, um, somewhere in London, you know, or somewhere in France, somewhere in the United Arab Emirates. So there's, there's just so many possibilities out of this whole thing that I think it was a, a, a huge step for the European Tour and the PGA Tour just to be able to kind of combine forces. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of the PGA Tour, we're going to give you guys some picks for this week's Mayakoba Classic. Um, Mayakoba Classic is played down in Mexico, so PGA Tour took a week off. Now the players get to travel down to Mexico. And uh, this course is... It's at a, what's the course called? El Camelion? El Camelion? And uh, <laughs> not very good with the uh, Spanish accent, but it's gr- designed by Greg Norman. And first of all, Greg Norman made some splash this week. Um, oh, my God. Can we, well, let's, let's take two, t- two seconds to talk about the hogger Greg Norman <laughs> displayed on Instagram. If, if you didn't see it, I'm not going to describe it to you because that's not my jam. Um, but all you got to do is go over to his Instagram, which is uh, shark underscore Greg Norman. Look at his last uh, third to last post with his dog, uh, and that's all that I need to say. But 
Yeah, one of the more splash in one more than one way. That's for sure. One of the more polarizing pictures I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, And I didn't know what the issue was until I quite zoomed in on the uh, specified area. But I think that's all we're going to say about that. But anyways, Greg Norman designed this course, and the cool thing about this course is this is not a course where you hitting it long doesn't help you and it's great because it's a coastal link style course it's only 6900 yards and par 71 uh, but the winners here in the past guys like brennan todd matt kuchar Patton kizir pat perez and graham mcdowell so none of the guys that have won here in the past have been long hitters at all and so it just goes to show you uh, bryson dechambeau is not in this field uh, it's justin thomas i believe is in this field a couple other guys dustin johnson was going to be in the field and then he won the Masters and basically told him to shove it. Um, he's going to spend more time with with uh, his kids and mo- more importantly, Paulina Gretzky. So he's having a great he's having a great week, and uh, he's not going to play in the Mayakoba Classic. But let's give uh, let's give the people our picks. So what what's uh, we're each taking one guy to win it. We actually both had uh, the guy that Mitchell's going to tell you about. We both had him, so he's a good bet and. Uh, Head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download uh, download DraftKings if you guys haven't. Use our code DNVR. You get up to you get free bets, all that kind of stuff. So use DraftKings Sportsbook. But uh, the odds for this guy we'll give out are from DraftKings Sportsbook. So Mitchell. So my pick this week is going to be uh, a f- local favorite. Uh, we've talked about him before, just in our last or uh, a few episodes ago. He was in the final group at the Masters. He holds citizenship in Mexico, so he's born and raised in Mexico. Um, He has a great short game. He hits the ball really straight. Not the longest player ever, but I think if you know, uh, if you listen to the Masters pod, you kind of know where I'm going with this. But I think Abram Anser, and on top of it, uh, so Abram Anser finished in the top five, I want to say, or T4 in China last week. Yeah. He's got a great history at uh, at this place, and he's coming off a great week at the Masters, even though he, he didn't win, but an unreal week for him in his first Masters appearance. So I think there's a, a fairly likely chance he'll come out after the experience he had at the Masters and think this is kind of not necessarily small potatoes, but when, you, when you're in the final group of the Masters, the Mayakoba Classic doesn't quite hit the same. So I think he'll go in there feeling really comfortable and – and he's got a really good chance to win on this course. So I'm, I'm rolling with uh, our boy Abram Anser at plus 2200 So you risk 100 you win $2,200. You risk 10 you win 220 that sort of unit. But it's a, I'd say it's a, a pretty damn good bet and, and really just something to root for. Yeah, and Abram Anser, after his, his, like you said, his showing at the Masters, really became a guy to root for, got great lettuce. Uh, great golfer, and he'll be in front of a home "quote unquote" crowd here in Mexico. So my pick for the week is that he's at plus twenty five hundred on DraftKings Sportsbook. Is Victor Hovland? He's he hasn't missed a cut since January, uh, so you can pretty much guarantee he's going to be there on the weekend. And like I talked about earlier, this doesn't really help you hitting it long. Victor's not a not that long of a player, um, but he ranks top thirty in the PGA Tour in strokes gained off the tee approaching the green and putting so all necessary stats especially for this week where hitting it long doesn't help you so take victor hovland 10 to win 250 dollars and you're going to be set up with a nice fat DraftKings bank account so 
I like that pick too. He's he's been so good. It's unreal. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Big Drive Energy. Thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoy our content. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at Big Drive Spence, Big Drive Mitch, and at DNVR underscore golf. We're going to be heading out to South Carolina here in about a week and a half for my birthday. I'm going to play a lot of golf out there, have a lot of funny content for you guys. Follow us on TikTok as well. We're not great at the TikTok, but we uh, enjoy making you guys videos and making golf videos because that's what we're all about. So until next time, golf bros, we're out. We'll talk to you later.